Welcome back to the Hawks Report, everyone. I'm Lauren Williams, the beat reporter here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and it's been a very exciting week, or has it, for the Hawks? Of course, they have not had the best luck on the win side of the win-loss column, but handy-dandy trusty producer Daniel Salerson and I are, of course, here to talk about it and more here on the Hawks Report. If you're listening to us for the first time, please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and like this podcast, wherever it is you guys get those. And this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. Daniel, it's been an okay week for the Hawks, even though I started this off saying it's been an exciting week. I guess it's been exciting because I'm finally back home after a really long road trip. <laughs> well, welcome back. And it's, I think it's been exciting because there has been some close games in mm-hmm. there for the Hawks and there's been some high scoring affairs. There's been some low scoring affairs. I mean, that Hawks Spurs game was as exciting as it could get. Um, yeah. With a big win for Atlanta um, the other night against Brooklyn exciting not the mm-hmm. result that you're looking for thanks to Mikel Bridges um, with his game-winning <laughs> shot but at the same time they've been in some of these games there's been some games that they haven't been in but yeah unfortunately it hasn't resulted in wins you know ever since we talked about them starting off six and four which was one of mm-hmm. my goals they've lost seven of ten so I think the main thing I want to kind of discuss with you Lauren is what's been the biggest difference in these last ten why has there been such a struggle to to get on in the win column yeah, I unfortunately have to go to the default that has become quite a staple here on the Hawks report. They're just consistently inconsistent. And it's it's really unfortunate because when they do all of the right things, particularly on the defensive end, you see so many good results. You You look at Wednesday night's game against Brooklyn, them holding them to 113 points, which is, you know, the fewest that they've held a team to in quite some time. But of course, again, the inconsistencies on the offensive side this time is what bit them in the butt, less so, you know, the defensive side. So if it's not one, it's the other, unfortunately, for the Hawks. And they just have to really tap into some consistent play. Uh, you know, now that they're 20 games into the season, you know, their matchup against the the 76ers on Friday in Philadelphia will be game 21. So they're officially now past the, the quarter mark. And, and that's when, if you guys remember, at the beginning of the season is when I kind of started to say, I would really start judging this team. And, you know, of course, 
Coach Quinn Snyder would likely disagree with me for that because he's the type of person who has consistently said progress isn't linear, progress isn't linear. And and this team is kind of the embodiment of that. So in a weird way, he when I spoke to him this offseason, he kept kind of, you know, trying to set expectations by mentioning how, you know, up and down this team might be the season with a new system, a new coach, um, a new way of doing things. You're you're setting a new culture, uh, all of that sort of stuff. You're, it's still a results-driven league, and you still want to see good things happening on a night-to-night basis. And so, yeah, I, I think Friday night's matchup against the, the 76ers, I'm going to be looking at things a little bit differently. And you got to hope that after 20 games that maybe some consistency might come in despite the fact that they they haven't had Jalen Johnson for what about five games now four games now since that injury in in Washington DC against the Wizards how much has that changed the dynamic of this team obviously Jalen Johnson has a big impact on this team you don't want to put the whole thing on well you're missing Jalen Johnson because they still have a lot of talented players on the roster but how much have things changed how have you noticed the play maybe even on the defensive level and maybe even the pace because Jalen's so good at getting up and down the floor how much has that changed as far as him being out yeah I think what I find interesting about this season is that I don't think we're surprised by the impact Jalen Johnson had on the team or let me rephrase that I don't think we're surprised at the growth, rather, we've seen from Jalen Johnson. I don't think that his, you know, leap this season has been really a surprise. I think we felt like it was a matter of time um, and that it was going to come. What I don't think we anticipated is just how much of a glue guy he was going to be so early on this season. Um, You know, he's already somebody who's in in the talks for most improved player, which is absolutely wild so early in the season. But um, yeah, I I think that is a huge factor in what has kind of led to this unraveling a little bit of the Hawks because now they have to readjust to, okay, we don't have this guy who can push the ball and transition off of rebounds. We don't have a guy who has length and size of a lot of the players in this league right now. And I think that's something that Quinn Snyder has pointed to a lot when, you know, we talk about, you know, the game that they played against the Spurs last week, Thursday, you know, you're playing a guy who's 7'3", you know, up and down their lineup, it's like 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", players all up and down. And then you look at the Hawks lineup and, you know, their front court is is rather small in comparison, um, you know, particularly at the five. But I will say Clint Capella continues to shine in his role as this team's starting five. And I think we're still seeing some really good things from Onyeko Kongwu to start the season as well. He's averaging, you know, at least 1.1 more points per game this season to this point um, than he was last year at the in a similar time frame. And so, again, I think, you know, those two guys, they need a lot of help <laughs> um, because the team has really struggled in rebounding, particularly since Johnson has been out. You know, he was a guy that was giving you on average 
to 7.3 rebounds per night. Uh, that's a big chunk <laughs> of change when you think about it. And and so it's been a lot to ask of a guy like Sadiq Bey, who they've kind of bumped into the starting lineup. And, you know, you finally saw him catch a little bit of fire on Wednesday night against the 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 Nets. You know, him putting up 21 points. He had seven rebounds. That's kind of what Jalen Johnson was giving the team, you know, before he, he went down. Um, he was averaging about, I mean, 14 points, but... You know, on some nights you would get those 20 point nights from him because he was pushing the pace, because he was getting out in transition, because he was, you know, catching those lobs from Trey way down the the, the floor. You know, he's just a, a quite a target for a quote unquote quarterback like Trey to find, um, you know, out front really quickly because of his speed, just the way I always call Jalen Johnson a, a, a gazelle. The way he runs just reminds me so much of a gazelle. He's so graceful. You know, the just how quickly he covers so much ground on the court in in just a few leaps is just amazing. And and right now they don't they don't have that. They don't have that guy who can get out in front of a defender really quickly. So it's it's been an adjustment. And and we talked to Sadiq Bey uh yesterday or Wednesday night after the game, excuse me. And, you know, he talked about it. It's been an adjustment for him because now he's going from playing with a guy like Bogey who provides a ton of space on the floor to now playing with, you know, DeJounte Murray a little bit more and Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella who operate a little bit differently in space. I mean, obviously both Trey and DeJounte do space the floor. DeAndre Hunter can space the floor, but a lot of the times you see those guys, you know, looking to go inside and drive on defenders and they're the ones that are setting up some of those opportunities or they're putting up those floaters in the lane. And and so it's just a different way for Sadiq to operate. And it, it took him a few games to kind of figure it out. And we'll see if Wednesday is kind of a catalyst for him moving forward until the Hawks get Johnson back. One thing we before we, we go to break, something they're not struggling in is steals. And mm-hmm. you brought it up the other night, a great question with Quinn Snyder about them leading the league in steals per game. But it just doesn't feel like they're leading right. the league in steals per game because of their struggles on defense. So one, for those that maybe didn't hear about it, mm-hmm. kind of uh, maybe a synopsis on what Quinn said in response to your yeah. question about that and kind of your take on the fact that this team is leading the league in steals and then hit their pride in defense, but it's still not, I guess, transferring all the way to maybe some more wins, you would think, with leading the league right. in that category. Right. And it, it, it's so it's so strange, you know, as you mentioned, that a team can, at least before Wednesday night, they were averaging 9.3 steals per game after Wednesday. They're, they've dropped to whew, 9.1 steals per game. Wow. A lot. You know, what a big drop. But anyway, I make some jokes. But it is... It, I did find it strange, you know, when I looked that up the other day or I, I saw that the other day that they were leading. And you would think, as you just said, that it would translate the rest of the way, but it's just not. And when Quinn kind of, you know, got to answering that question, he talked about them not being a defensive team consistently. And ironically, a lot of those steals were coming when they were doing the right things on defense. And so now I think, particularly after seeing how well they played defensively against Brooklyn on Wednesday night, 
you know, you hope that it will continue to, you know, translate moving forward over the next, you know, what, 60 odd games, 62 games that are left in the season, which is still so crazy to to think. But they saw what works. They saw how well communicating with each other on the defensive end works. They saw how well trying to move guys into traps, how, um, you know, how much more efficient they need to be on switches. Uh, you know, they need to be And Someone asked Quinn Snyder after the game what what it was about Wednesday night's defensive presence that he thought made made Wednesday night the team's best defensive outing and it is because he said they got back better meaning they got back into transition better they communicated in pick and roll better they got late switches when they needed to the shifts were better and he said they he thought they did a much better job of staying in front of the ball and he said it's a lot of little things you know he said that defensively they're always going to be plays where you put up great defense and you know, the other guy just hits a much better shot and you have to just kind of tip your cap to them and say, okay, good job. But, you know, you played out the possession and and, and in the Hawks' case, particularly, you know, late in the game, and I remember thinking about this, there was a, a play where I believe it was DeAndre Hunter, you know, he stuck with Spencer Dinwiddie all the way to the basket and Dinwiddie hit like a baseline jumper that you were kind of like that has no shot of going in and then it did and and shots like that are just tough but then on the flip side of it you saw DeAndre Hunter guarding Spencer Dinwiddie get the ball out of his hand but he didn't finish the play and it kind of like rolled through his legs to another Nets player that was behind him and the Nets were able to continue the possession so it's just kind of like those things that you point to you know, the consistent and I'm not I'm not saying that to to pick on DeAndre Hunter because by you know, he's been one of these teams, you know, better defenders, more consistent defenders. He consistently has to guard the other team's best player every night. That's a lot to ask of someone. And so I just think, you know, the, the team has to continue to help each other, continue to communicate with each other, particularly in moments when the game gets stressful, um, like Wednesday night, it's a close game in the last five minutes. You know, you, you got to actually, in my opinion, over communicate in the, the, those situations. So, yeah, you know, you, you, you hope that as they watch back the film and saw what made them so successful, they'll be able to carry that forward and, and translate it to the rest of the games this season. And with that, we'll take a break. This is the Hawk Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just want to continue to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. You guys continue to make all of this possible. The AJC you know, does have a special offer for podcast listeners. If you guys subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That means all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more that AJC.com has to offer. Plus, you guys get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So Daniel, I think the big thing that has kind of intrigued me is just continuing to see like how teams respond to the in-season tournament. Obviously the Hawks were eliminated from the in-season tournament last Tuesday when they faced the Cavaliers on that road trip. But Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton continues to crush it, rising, in my opinion, superstar. And I know that there is quite a bit of chatter about, you know, whether he, Tyrese Halliburton, or Trey Young is better. (laughs) And in my opinion... I don't think I, I, I'm like, why do we have to have an either or situation? I think they're both great. They're both doing what they need to for their team. I think that the Pacers have a really unique situation around them where, you know, the supporting cast has been just on it and so consistent because when I look at kind of like their stats, uh, particularly when you look at their efficiency from the floor, the majority of the players are above 35% with, you know, the lone guy under 40%, you know, playing just five games <laughs> this season, 8.2 minutes. But pretty much everyone else is shooting almost lights out. Yeah. Aren't their numbers pretty consistent as far as pretty similar as far as when you're comparing them as well? It's to me, you're right. Yeah. I mean, these, these comparisons are just silly. I think it's just something that to talk about what, what's really the point of it. Are you saying that if mm-hmm. Tyrese Halpern was in a Hawks uniform, instead of Trey Young, that their record would be different. I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say if, if it is maybe a game or so, but I don't think there's really any. And then would the Pacers be any better with Trey Young? I just think they're both really right. good players, and I think that's okay to have two really good point guards. I think what I'm surprised, not surprised, but I think a lot more people are talking about what the Kings did and why they traded Tyrese Halliburton in the first place. And I know De'Aaron Fox is there as their point guard, but and I know they mm-hmm. wanted the big man in Demonis Sabonis, but um, they're showing that mm-hmm. you know Halliburton has just been a, a huge impact on the Pacers, and you can see as they are one of the four teams remaining. I guess there will only be two teams remaining by the time we finish taping this podcast. 
um, or this podcast is being released as far as how many teams right. are remaining in the in-season tournament. But still, the Pacers uh, being mm-hmm. the team that upsets Boston um, at home and, and plays really well there. I just think you're just seeing the emergence of, of Halliburton. But mm-hmm. I think you're seeing, what was the trade the other night? 45 points, 14 assists. He has the most in that category, mm-hmm. I believe. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? I just think those things yeah. are so silly to compare. And so I, I agreed. I don't know. I think, I mean, with social media now, you can just put any two players next to each other. Go, Which one's better? Which one has the most impact? Which one's more? Right. Compare people at the end of their careers. That's what I say. See what their mm-hmm. impact is at the end. How many championships will Tyrese win? How many championships will Trey Young win? I think that mm-hmm. stat now becomes more important than the numbers itself. I feel like everyone is now judged by their winning. And stats are secondary. So if you want to start comparing, yeah. let's wait and see what the Pacers do. Let's wait and see what the Hawks mm-hmm. do um, in the end of their those two careers and whether they finish their career with those respective teams too. I mean, that's another factor in this. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, I was just going to say they're both averaging about, you know, 27 points per game, you know, 10, 10 11 assists per game. Again, I think, I think also you have to factor in that that Halliburton does have the benefit of being in a Rick Carlisle system for a little bit longer than Trey Young has been in a Quinn Snyder system. And and so you're asking, you know, two different things right now, right? There's just so much, in my opinion, that it's not a apples to apples or oranges to oranges comparison. Just because, yeah, there there are a few caveats. And then when you go back to, you mentioned the trade that brought Halliburton to the Indiana Pacers. And I swear, you guys, this is not a Pacers slash Halliburton podcast. It is still the Hawks report, so I will get to the point. But when you look at the the trades between the trade between the Kings and the Pacers that brought Halliburton to the Pacers, <laughs> um, it's one of those rare occasions where both teams absolutely won that trade. And in my opinion, that's kind of one of those situations that the Hawks should really be trying to look at when they're evaluating their trade partners. Obviously, you're not necessarily trying to help the other guy, but you don't want to be that person that comes out on the other side and people are scratching their head like, oh, why did why did they make that trade? Of course, at the time, a lot of people did scratch their head at the Halliburton to Indiana trade. But, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. It worked out in the end. And so, you know, as we look forward and as the Hawks kind of look at the assets that they have, um, you know, they really should be looking at situations where obviously they come out on top. But it just it just works out for everybody. I know it's so early in the game, but I guess soon we can start discussing it because it is going to creep up on us before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, already starting December, there are already rumors about certain people that could be on the block. I think the Bulls are going to be a team to keep an eye on as mm-hmm. far as the trade deadline. There's already rumblings with Zach Levine. He's going to be out mm-hmm. until a certain time. They're like, oh, well, players that have signed new contracts with teams are now going to be eligible to be traded during yeah, that time. Yeah, I think and so, uh, December 15th, I think, is that date. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So free agents that signed early this year are eligible to be traded December 15th, which 
again, I don't think it's ever too early for teams to start figuring out what they need and, and what's working, what's not, especially teams mm-hmm. that have a little more pressure on them to succeed this year. And then there are teams that kind of already know that what's going on, um, mm-hmm. that they they might not be competing this year. So I, I think, you know, we talk about the Hawks and, you know, still giving Quinn Snyder some time, but also realizing that maybe they just need to make a move, whether it's, yeah. you know, a piece that they can add for some depth or a big piece that they kind of not go all in but they maybe say all right this is our chance we're going to take it and we're going to try to go get a guy that's going to be a really heavy impact player well for me one thing that johnson's injury has highlighted is that even though the hawks had spoken highly of the depth that they had you know in the preseason you know the fact that johnson who we've now seen was kind of the glue piece, you know, it, it does raise the question, maybe the Hawks weren't as deep as they thought that they were, that his impact or his absence created such an impact on on this team. And so they definitely, I think a lot of people definitely think that the Hawks do need to make a move, particularly because they were so quiet this offseason, relatively speaking. So, Yeah. December 15th, that's a little little over a week um, or right, a, right about a week from when this podcast is live. And so, uh, yeah, I think the chatter will start to speak up or pick up, excuse me. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes and, and who continues to be tied to the Hawks. If it's if it continues to be Pascal Siakam, who the Hawks see twice in the next seven days um, when they go to Toronto next week, we'll see. We'll see. Speaking of teams and superstars, you're going to kill me for bringing this up, but we need to congratulate Lauren on being a finalist for the National Sports Media Association. <laughs> Stop Georgia it, Sports Daniel. Writer of the Year. <laughs> If we had oh, around the applause button, we'd be doing it right now. But Lauren, uh, one of many Atlanta Journal Constitution writers, yes. to be nominated. So you want to talk about subscribing? Subscribe <laughs> to the best platform, which is the AJC. Um, whether it's Chad Bishop, Chip Towers, you have Justin Toscano, Ken Segura, Mark Bradley, and of course Lauren. But let's congratulate Lauren. On thank you, thank her you. Incredible accomplishment and how hard she works at bringing you the best Hawks coverage. In the country, in the world, and <laughs> I learned so much from Lauren. Oh my god! And I hope you learn a lot from Lauren from this podcast. But let's give a congratulations to her because she definitely deserved it, and um, she definitely brings you everything you need to know about the Hawks. So I know, don't hate me, Lauren. You can curse me out later through text. But congratulations, <laughs> Daniel. I could never hate you, and I really do appreciate it. It it really was a surprise, but I'm grateful that. I'm I'm doing this job well, or at least some people think I'm doing this job well. So yeah, I, I I'll keep trying to to bring you guys the best content and and news, and you know hopefully we'll can we can find out what this team is trying to do trade wise. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully we'll get an answer soon. Hopefully. But until then, I'm Lauren Williams, as always, joined by Daniel Salerson, and this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. 
Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.